0: Hello, welcome to Narratives, the podcast about people you share spaces with. If you're wondering whose voice you're listening to, it's me, your host, Elizabeth Becks. Today we're going to be talking to the butterfly people. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. The world of these colorful invertebrates is, as I've learned, much deeper than it seems. I am currently sitting in a very pleasant little apartment in gardner montana which is on the border of yellowstone national park for all of you listeners that aren't very familiar with the state across from me i have two very pleasant people who go under the pseudonym the butterfly people the reason for this secrecy i'm not quite sure of yet but hopefully we'll find out throughout the conversation why they want to stay so low-key There are two people that are very passionate about butterflies, but I don't wanna be the one that introduces their passion for them. So I'm gonna let you guys tell our listeners what it is that you guys do.
1: you get to Um, break the ice, Mardell.
2: I was introduced to the park way back in the 70s, 1970s, when I came to a conference in Billings. little louder. And ever since that time, I've realized that I wanted to come to Yellowstone National Park (laughs) I looked at many of the visitor centers and none of them had a guide to butterflies. And I thought, wow, I have a friend who has been into butterflies ever since he was nine years old. And he and I can go to the park and we can study and research the butterflies in the park and produce a guide to them. So that is what we have done now for over 31 summers. 31 summers. Yes, and there are about 137 different species of butterflies in the park. Uh, And over our research time, we have seen almost 87 to 88 percent of all those 137 known to be in the park.
0: That's a lot. A lot of butterflies. What got you into butterflies? I want to know both of your stories on exactly why you chose this bug specifically. Like, what's so special about them?
1: Uh, I had several years where I was able to either move down to Central America, South America, for just a short time, but mostly Costa Rica, because they also have a strong naturalist interest in things. Uh, uh, Costa Rica may not have an army, but it sure does have a university. And in fact, Yellowstone Park takes a few lessons from the uh, university. Costa Rica is really it. So I spent four, almost four years chasing bugs. <laughs> and in my Navy time, all four years, in all Navy. around the world, four times chasing bugs. Sometimes I got in trouble, sometimes I didn't.
0: (laughs) So did you work for the Navy? No, you just did it on your own. On my own. So early is a lifetime lifetime passion.
1: Finding out stuff, right? Putting it back in the dark little corner of my mind, keeping it there. And some of that has helped with our experiences right here in the park. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Wow. It still is interesting. It has never grown stale. It never grows old. Every year, here we are. And this is where we meet, the two of us. I used to be her neighbor right across Elliott Bay in Seattle.
2: Mm-hmm. When he went to Costa Rica, he came back with barrels of butterflies, because that was perfectly legal then. He never did anything You illegal. can't do it nowadays, but I yeah. came
1: back with 40,000 species. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So he gosh. would
2: make uh, coffee tables, you know, you could line them the butterflies underneath and put the glass in, you know, so he made a lot of that, and in plaques, you know, plaques. Plaques. Serving trays. You know, those things you see in the... BBC productions mm-hmm. hanging on the wall in the background. So
1: yeah,
2: well, the,
0: never cease to impress me, Richard. Always just an enigma. There's a, a rabbit hole. Same with you. Both of you guys are so oh, cool. Oh,
1: has got very some history. Very well-rounded people. She's got a terrific history. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, Can I hear some of that history? Huh. I mean, well, I, I don't know if I would call it terrific history or not, but
1: no.
2: uh, you know, I mean, I have a master's in library science, mm-hmm. so I have a real interest in a lot of different subjects. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm very interested in psychology, human psychology. And so it's humanities in addition to scientific. In other words, I really respect the fact that in science you need to be as exact as you possibly can and to be a real truth teller when it comes to that. But then look at the humanities, fiction, storytelling, poetry, you know, things that are partly based on reality and then adding extra value as mm-hmm. I see it. So I sort of bridge the two, at least mentally I do. Mentally. When I'm recording, when I'm doing something scientific, I want to be as exact as, as I can possibly. But it's from that, that it uh, also triggers the creativity. And I'm interested in the park. My primary interest is the park itself. But that was a way that I could focus my interest on something that would be best for both of us.
0: So. Yellowstone is kind of your primary focus. You don't really go outside of this this That's right.
2: We we did have a research permit uh, for Grand Teton National Park, and we did some research there. We've also done some research at Fossil Butte National Monument, but the main focus has been Yellowstone National Park. Mm -hmm. Richard,
0: what about you? What's your
1: story? Well, my story is very long. I started... I suppose because I remember when I was nine years old, here's this big, beautiful um, swallowtail butterfly, golden, beautiful, one caught in the spider web, and I thought to myself, not knowing what to call it, but I liked it, butterfly. I said, I'm going to save you. Picked it up out of the spider web. Yeah, the spider web came down trying to grab me. It didn't. I let that butterfly go. flow away and I said, wow, what a good boy am I. <laughs> From then on, I liked butterflies. I don't think I let the summer go by to where I said, I'd like to know what that one is and that one and that one. So my stepdad liked the outdoors and we would go out and I'd tell myself, I need to know what that butterfly is. I had a small little Dick and Jane book. How to recognize the butterflies? Very, very uh, few, few and far between. No technology, but I studied it until it was, fell apart. And I've been with butterflies ever since, one so way or the other.
0: It was it was a lifetime thing. You never really did anything I else. I never let it go. So what? At what age, if you don't mind me asking, did you start doing it full-time? Studying, like, studying butterflies became everything that you did.
2: That really ha- almost hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. I have a round to my life. I do certain things in the wintertime that I don't do in the summertime. I have a round to my life. Tell me about that. I actually gamble. What? On the horses for most of the year. So
0: butterflies is just summertime... A summertime passion you course gambling is is what you do for a majority of of the year
2: well let me put it this way i'm I'm the type of person where i can focus very strongly on whatever the activity is at the moment so yes i have what's called eidetic memory that means that when i see an image like in a field guide I will recognize that when I see it out in the field itself and know absolutely what it is, so it's images, I have the capability, it's just a gift. I don't have to work at it, it's very it just comes naturally that I recognize something when I see it in reality, and I know well, I've seen a picture of that in, in the book.
1: yeah,
0: so she must be a very good partner to have out there in good the field partner.
1: right. Sometimes I don't feel like the principal investigator.
0: What's a day like out in the field, I guess? You go out?
2: We are very low tech in comparison to what's happening now. We do not collect. Our permit from the Yellowstone Center for Resources it does not allow us to collect. And I believe the National Park Service, if they're collecting anything, they prefer to do the collecting at this point. So our only purpose in having a net which Richard carries, is for identification purposes Mm -hmm. and sometimes for photography. Over the years, we pretty much have photos of everything. We don't even do that much photography anymore. So uh, we have the net because we may have to uh, capture a butterfly in order to take a better look at it. Mm -hmm. And, um, but we have a research plan which is primarily based upon altitude and the blooming of the wildflowers, because we studied the adults. So you immediately start at the lowest elevations available, because that's the first place that has the blooming wildflowers. And as time goes on, then we move up in elevation, till finally we're taking care of Mount Washburn, and perhaps even Avalanche Peak.
1: 10,000 feet up.
2: 10,000
0: feet up. And what what happens to this data that you guys collect? And what is the data? So I know that it's photos. What else exactly? In
2: addition to photos, I maintain a log book in which we log every species we see on that specific trail. And we do the GPS coordinates for the trail. And we make a field survey report to the Yellowstone Center for Resources. We also make an annual report. Anyone who accesses uh, one of the Yellowstone science pages can access the general report, but only Yellowstone keep the rec- keeps the records on the field survey reports.
0: What, what happens with this data? Is there anything specific that gets done with it or is it just for, you know, collection purposes? We have
2: submitted that data to the Cultural Heritage Center and to the National Parks. We, can, we will submit it to the National Park Service.
0: In the following segment of the interview, Richard picks up a stack of photos and goes through them with me. I'll do my best to describe each of these images now, in post. The first one that Richard is about to show me is a white butterfly with black outer edges and white spots, black ribbings, and a black torso. Um,
1: We have several that we are real proud of, either that no one else has ever recorded, no one else has ever seen until we started this ourselves, this is their first one, look at that, that was never seen in the park 30 years, or ever, until we recorded it. It's called the Pine White. Pine White. Pine White, what does the Pine White do when we're 50 yards away, and you can barely see it, just a little white dot? It goes up the tree, up the pine, pine tree. What do we have in this park? Pine by the millions of pints. Circles clear to the top, just kind of floats around there for a few seconds, comes back down the opposite way, all the way like a barber pole down to the bottom, lands on the dandelion, takes a little sip, (laughs) back up the next tree.
2: That particular butterfly uh, is uh, very well seen In Washington State, almost every butterfly club that goes out will see one of those pine whites in the Cascades.
0: But up here they're
1: rare. Rare, rare. Remember you said, you asked the question, why are we a little bit secretive? Yes. About a place, about a butterfly, about its location, anything about it. Well, here is something called an aberration.
0: The following images of a butterfly. Unfortunately, I'm not allowed to take a picture of the image, so I can't give an accurate description of what it looks like. To my amateur eye, it doesn't look like anything particularly special. To the butterfly people, however, this butterfly holds incredible significance.
1: That is not what it's supposed to look like.
2: Yeah, you will not find that image in a book.
1: You will not find that in any butterfly book. No. Any butterfly. I don't care. I have 400 butterfly books. It is not in one of them.
0: A single one.
1: Yeah, I mean butterfly books this thick, three inches, 400 books on butterflies, that image is not in one of them. In fact, there's not even a paragraph explaining that. Mm -hmm. So what
2: you have is you have a difference in the color Mm -hmm. on the scales and the pattern of the scales. Right. That's a lot of difference. That's a, a lot of difference. Color plus pattern. Yeah. Huge difference. You I, think it's a different species?
1: Here's what it's supposed to look like.
2: <laughs> that is it's different. It's very different. And it's very different, right?
0: So is it just like a? It's it's a genetic.
2: We the the postulated theories is weather something to do with weather conditions, or pesticides or herbicides well there's very little use of pesticides in the park there may be some use of herbicides but practically none of pesticides so you sort of lean towards the idea that it has something to do with temperature in the winter Mm -hmm. and 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 that's so you guys just don't want people going around looking for these
1: especially when it's just in one location like a tennis court
0: it can be that small That
1: small and nowhere else in the park. Yeah. That's
0: so interesting. That's why.
1: And we would like to answer a few questions, and you can't do it in a laboratory. You have to sit out on a rock and try to say, gee, we had a cold winter last winter, 25 degrees below zero around the north part of the park, you know, or black sand, an all-time record Thirty degrees below zero. Black sand basin. Your basin. basin. Yeah. Really? Sometimes it's a fault. How important.
0: can temperatures cause changes in like the patterns on a butterfly's wing? It
1: disturbs shape? the soup that is inside the chrysalis when the chrysalis first starts and forms, and of course, it's doing all that within just a few days when the larvae first decides, well, I decided I'm gonna be a chrysalis. It doesn't take long, just a few days, but it might be late, it might be something else, it might, we're not sure, and neither is anyone else. They have this idea that it's definitely high, low temperature, it can go in this part in the winter, maybe 40 degrees difference in a couple of days.
2: And the moisture may have something to do with it too. The moisture
1: also. We've had a very wet uh, spring and it has really thrown a curve into the butterfly population this year. And only three years in 31 years see. have we seen that. Yeah. Yeah. So, We'd like to know so much more. We think it's freezing. So, some entomologist who thought, oh, I know all about butterflies. I, I'm an entomologist, but I know about butterflies. It's vibrations. Vibrations. In fact, it's in this British book. But the British people said, you got to be out of your mind. <laughs> <It's>,
2: vibrations. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: distinct. Hot and cold, hot and cold. Or cold and really cold. Here, it's got to be cold and really cold because Black Sand has this coldest record of, you know where Black Sand is? Mm-hmm. Black
2: Sand Basin, it's uh, behind Old Faithful. Behind
1: Old Faithful.
2: It's the last basin on your right, if you're coming down mm-hmm. the west side from the north. It's the last basin before you actually, and Old Faithful is across the street from it, actually. Part of the Upper Geyser Basin is across the street from it.
1: Some 30 degrees below zero.
2: Whoa. The
1: coldest in North America. Black sand. Yeah. Well, Holy... it happens every now and then. It's not every year. Maybe this year it was very warm because we really had a weird spring. Why? Very wet. Mm-hmm. Very wet.
2: It was like the Northwest, we've been told by like people the who, Northwest. Lived who came in maybe early, like in May, even, saying it was gray all the time. It rained a lot. It was like in the 40s, night and day. I mean, there wasn't a big change in temperature, but it was just cool all the time.
1: So let me give you a no-no about that kind of weather. Mm -hmm. Mold, fungi. It develops on the outside of the chrysalis, the skin, the outside. The butterfly is ready to hatch, but it gets a sickness, the mold. Mm -hmm. The fungi. Look at what black mold does to us. They closed grade schools in her area because of black mold. Well, the butterfly can't hatch. We think that's what's happened to some of our butterflies this year.
0: The next image Richard shows me is of a group of butterflies, all crowded on what looks like a fermenting fruit on a tree branch. I'll also mention, since we're already here, that you'll notice a very obvious cut in the audio once Mardell starts talking about a butterfly phenomenon called puddling this is because the duo starts to describe a spot and mention its name which they don't want to disclose
2: what's going on here
1: this is a little test for you what's going on what yeah what (laughs) here's another one of a different angle of it
0: does it look like they're eating they're eating something (laughs) <laughs> are they... They're getting
2: drunk, right? And what
0: condition are they in? Yeah, fermented fruit, I guess. Fer- fermented peach. What's a drunk butterfly like?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's dizzy. It doesn't
1: it fly, fly quite right. It can't fly. They fall off that fermented peach, fall right onto the uh, grass. But actually, it was a very thin kind of sand. And there they were, sideways. They couldn't even walk. Let alone fly.
0: It's a lot of butterflies. It's a bunch of alcoholics. That's right. right.
1: They're having a ball.
0: I can see it.
2: It's a real party. But actually, what that is is a very important behavior. Not the alcohol, because they have a proboscis. Mm -hmm. They have like a straw that they can uncurl, Mm -hmm. and that's the way they take in nourishment as an adult. And for the males, they do this behavior is called puddling they'll go to get the mineral salts that are on the soil in a very um, only the shallow shallow depression that has water in it because that's, uh, the minerals will come out of the soil and be dissolved in the water. And they do that to increase their uh, sperm life, the life of the sperm. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. So only the males do it. Interesting. Of the species. So if you're trying to figure out whether it's a male or a female and you see it puddling... On this road, uh, there are some creeks that come down from the hillsides and apparently it's possible that some of these creeks might have been undermining the road a bit. (coughs) So they decided to repair part of that and to maybe redirect some of those to make sure they don't actually cross and damage the road. Mm -hmm. Well, they did it in such a way that they created these excellent puddling places for the male butterflies. That's so cool. So we were thrilled because we could go to one place and find, you know, many, many species of males. all oh, puddling. Different, different species of males I
1: want to So It's like go a quick.
2: jackpot. It's like going to the bank.
0: This photo is of a beautiful blue dragonfly sitting in Richard's hand. It covers the spin of his entire palm.
1: We like dragonflies. What? This is the dragonfly season right now. And when the butterflies die three nights, it takes three frozen... Nights, no butterflies. But it takes three nights, and they freeze up. And we won't see a butterfly, but what do we do, we trade over and switch over to Odinata. Switch over to Odinata. Odinata, yeah, Latin, <laughs> uh, dragonflies. <laughs> Biggest dragonfly in the park. It covers my whole hand.
0: Get out, yeah. your entire hand? Yeah, yeah. Pacific It's on my hand. Yeah. that's In your... that
1: picture, it's on yeah. my hand. Yeah.
2: Where can you find them? Yeah. Well... Yeah, Here can we, we You, can't, you can't tell them. You uh, can't
1: again, tell them. It's a secret. Oh, nice. You're
2: going to find them way up in the air. They fly very, very high and they zoom right over your head. Yeah. You'll just see a flash of this black <laughs> thing going over your head. It's flying real fast.
1: It yeah, yeah. really flies. I mean, Boeing would be proud to go ahead and really study that guy. <laughs> Figure out yeah. how you fly something. its size, faster than any jet plane.
2: <laughs> and they have multifaceted eyes. You look at those eyes. Look at those
1: blue eyes. That they they're are processing
2: thousands of images.
1: Thousands of images. At any
2: one moment. And, that, and they have right. complete almost 360. Really? Yep. There's only one spot behind the, the, thor- the head that they are blind. I think they're blind. Yeah. So... And what they're most sensitive to, because they have all those facets, is movement. So if you want to get close to a dragonfly, you have to be still. You don't want to move. Then they think, well, it's just another tree, it's just another branch, whatever, that doesn't move. And they're not threatened. But if you're moving, and oh, look at that beautiful thing, and you start running for it, and it sees that motion, boop, off it goes. Because they will perch on things. Mm-hmm. Because they're trying to patrol a territory to get the females in that territory. So they'll pick a spot like the top of a tree limb or a branch or something and just sit there and they're looking out and scanning their environment all the time.
1: Oh, by the way, we made front page.
2: <laughs> on a quest for butterflies.
0: I love this picture. <laughs> it's a picture of um, the Bozeman Daily Chronicle. and. We've got our friend Richard on the front page with his fantastic mustache. But it's a different one than you have now. Let's go It's got a little butterfly sitting on it. Yellowstone researchers compiled decades of work into Butterfly
1: Field Guide. You can handle butterflies and they will be your friend. I handled the butterfly. By the way, that's the Parnassian we were telling you about mm-hmm. that loves to sit on the top of a mountain at 30 degrees in the sun and feel very comfortable
0: so you guys wrote a you wrote a field guide yourself we're working on it we're still working working all the
2: fun seems to be in the field research Mm -hmm. it's a little harder to discipline oneself to write
0: of course no, i get it i totally understand but i also either for now or for later really wanted to ask you guys if the if climate change has had any effect on the butterfly population like what that's done to butterflies because i know nothing and i know a lot of people talk about bees you know, climate change has had a big, sure. big oh, effect on yes. bees. But yes. Nobody really talks about the butterflies.
2: Right, it's, so it's less research because bees are really the prime pollinator of the food crops that we have as human beings, and relying on that. But, you know, butterflies are also a pollinator. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're they may be diminishing, and indeed it's proven pretty much that all insects all invertebrates are beginning to decline in population. So, uh, but you know, not there aren't that many scientists studying every one of those. There's lots of different bugs that are very important and involved with pollination. Even mosquitoes pollinate. Really? Yes, they do. So um, sometimes different little organisms will fall through the cracks, but they're all very, very important, important. especially when it comes to the ones that pollinate.
0: What's the average lifespan for a regular old butterfly? Like, let's take, cut monarchs out of the equation.
1: Three to four weeks. Three to
0: four weeks. That's not long at all. That's
1: not long at all. That's not three long to at four all. weeks. We have seen them a month old, uh, like the whites, the pine white, the western white, the margin white. Really get ragged very quick mm-hmm. because they do have a thin membrane where the scales. Like the shingles on a roof, they sit on top of that uh, clear membrane. Mm-hmm. That's really the foundation of the wing. And then the scales are attached to the membrane, just like shingles on a roof.
0: So their lifespan depends on the amount of time that their wings last? Is that
2: That has a lot to do with it, but you'd be surprised. You can find butterflies, when they came out of the chrysalis, it takes a while for the wings to harden for the the thing that we would call blood, which isn't theirs, it's different, That it has the liquid has to flow into them and they have to harden because when it comes out of the chrysalis it's sort of soft, vulnerable, mm-hmm. not fully extended at that point. It takes a while for it to pump into the, the wings themselves. Like an hour, yeah. two hours. And ooh. sometimes and, that doesn't happen maybe in one wing and yet they're still able to fly
1: sometimes. One wing can be crumpled, yeah. the other one is perfect it still flies It's just
0: flying around <laughs> and it may be able you know it may be flies. able to mate so is touching does touching the wing of a butterfly really damage the wing and it cause could it could if not you don't fly? do it
2: properly so what's yeah.
0: the proper handling i mean well, listeners nobody touch none yeah, of you should be touching butterfly
2: wings what we have uh, I, you can uh, put them in a glass jar mm-hmm. and you can get these at all kinds of nature shops a glass jar for bugs so then you can, they're safely in that jar. They might be flittering around, but then you can take a look at them. But Richard's had a lot of experience, so he knows how to handle them so they're not damaged. Uh, hardly a
1: scale yeah. would right. come off. Yeah. Hardly a scale. I
2: won't do that because I haven't had that years of experience to do it.
1: But oddly enough, you can rub off every scale very lightly, rub off every color, every scale, and all you've got is cellophane. That's all that's left. Really? The membrane underneath is pure. Just the little pure.
2: ribbing. Just the little ribbing. And, and the
1: little ribbings.
0: That's sad, but also yeah. very interesting. And away it, fly.
1: it flies. It flies away. Yeah. It flies away. It's not really damaged. You're not damaging organs. You're not damaging anything that means life. No.
0: Does it regrow it, or does it, it just? It, it never it doesn't.
2: regrows. No, it does it, yeah.
1: mm. it, it will die cellophane wings <laughs> yeah
0: that's I did not know that about
1: butterflies no. but it doesn't harm it it's not painful it flies just the same nothing has really changed except the little attachments of each shingle is attached somehow very delicately to that cellophane clear mm-hmm. and then in nature it finally does wear off And we will be looking at a butterfly and say, Mardell, can you tell which butterfly this is? Because in nature, also, the rubbing off Yeah,
0: well, that's the life, the the aging process, I guess,
1: of the butterfly. But it doesn't shorten the life of the butterfly, and it doesn't hurt the flight of the butterfly. It just doesn't look very pretty.
0: The butterfly shown here, the Hayden's ringlet, is a gray-brown butterfly with rings lining its bottom wing, going from orange on the outside, black in the middle, to white on the inside.
1: Uh, Look at the butterfly that we would like to be the park butterfly. We would really like this to happen. It's a small butterfly. It's a drab, chocolate brown. But underneath, it is unique with little eye spots, like little owl eyes, all the way along. It's called the Hayden ringlet. The Hayden ringlet. Hayden's ringlet, yeah. Hayden's ringlet. Only in Hayden Valley. That's where they first thought, "Hey, this is a funny-looking little butterfly. It's nowhere else in the world. It only dribbles out a little bit over this park border. Yeah, It's else. like
2: maybe the park is 2.3 yeah. million acres. Well, so maybe it, it can exist in 13 million acres, exclusively within the Yellowstone zone. No parks in the world. What would be considered the Yellowstone? So only here. Only here. So it's rare yeah. because Keep it on only exists voice. here in the world. They call it's those endemics. Endemic. Some species is limited to a certain geographic area. They call it an endemic.
0: In respect to the overall health of the Yellowstone environment, do you think that it's you know worse, better, staying the same over the years that you guys have been studying it? I'm super curious to know, like, how has it changed, I guess, is my question.
2: Well, we have changed. You guys have Let's changed? Let's put it that way. I, I believe that we have actually uh, perfected, that we sort of know at this point pretty much where to go to see the species, which is good, because if it involves a lot of strenuous, we're getting aged, and we can't do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm but we know pretty much what to look for, what they nectar on, and where to go to find a wide variety of butterflies. So we've gained the experience of what plants the adults nectar on. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've increased our ability to identify at a distance rather than to have to net everything that we see. Mm -hmm. We know know, what to look for just using our naked eyes. So the color differences can help you identify a butterfly. Mm How high it flies above the ground can help you identify a butterfly. Also the way, does it sail along? Does it turn from side to side as it flaps? Or does it just flap? Or does it sort of hop or skip? Or just does it fly in a straight line?
0: There are different flying patterns for butterflies. That's right. I had no most, idea. Most all of them. Have different flying patterns.
1: Complete overhead, complete down. Some butterflies do that, others do not. In fact, most do not. Complete contraction, extension. Yeah. We have some butterflies just now that do that. Now, I look out there, 20 yards, 30 yards. Oh, Ardell, there goes another… Uh, sulfur. No, sulfur. Uh-huh. Sulfur. Orange sulfur complete extension contraction when it flies.
0: So that's how you guys identify them, because I know that- that
2: plus the colors. colors. We know what the upper side looks like and what the underside looks like.
0: How long did it take you to get this good?
2: It's years. 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 And he's had many, many years. Many years. But because I'm-
0: um, Because your memory, I guess- That
2: eidetic memory helps me tremendously, right? And I can also very quickly pick up what to look for. And- uh, we always travel with a field guide as well as the net. And I would say that actually every year is slightly different from the next.
0: In a good way, bad way, or just is it neutral? It depends.
2: It depends. It depends. If we're looking at it from the point of view of the butterfly, like this might not have been so good for angle wings, but maybe it was a-okay for the for the, another species.
0: I guess it's the nature of nature, right?
2: right. but. In most science they're looking for that species which is an indicator of change which might be negative to all the species, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? We don't have a canary in the mine, as far as I can tell, at Yellowstone, we've never really found a canary in the Mm -hmm. the coal mine. A a
1: real test where you put the canary in the poison atmosphere in a mine, they use it well can't do that with yeah. butterflies. We've only mice. noticed
2: this year that we didn't see any ant going south. That seems not too good. We're not too happy about that. But some years, we don't find an abundancy among the species that we do see. There's not as many as there was the year before or something like that in general. Mm-hmm. So it's really touching. Like I say, we don't have one indicator species. It just says, well, if something happens to me, the whole environment is falling yeah. apart. I don't sense that that's really true, Mm -hmm. that
1: that's the situation with butterflies. Seven years ago, we seen a terrific, what they call an explosion population of the-
2: California tortoise shell. The
1: California tortoise tortoise shell. shell. Mm -hmm. It was everywhere in the park. We have no answers. Your entomologist who brags about knowing everything about butterflies had no answer. Why did that happen? And there are some other butterflies that will do that very same thing.
2: Painted Not lady.
1: Painted lady. We've only seen a few.
2: Oh, this year we saw a and, This
1: year, we either seen the tattered little painted lady or the great, big, robust, well-fed painted lady. Beautiful <laughs> butterfly when it's like that.
2: We've seen three monarchs. We've only seen three monarchs. That's very good. Usually we only see one monarch or no monarchs because their food plant isn't here. That host plant that the caterpillar needs to live is not here. Mm -hmm. That's the milkweed plant, and it can't survive the winters here in Yellowstone Park. It's too high. One of the few
1: butterflies that only has one food plant.
2: So it's just Mm -hmm. migrating through on its way to Mexico. It's a little bit off course, but we've also seen them just fly right out over Yellowstone Lake. It's the second highest lake, largest lake in the world at elevation, Yellowstone Lake. And they just fly right out over it.
1: No problem. <laughs> no problem. It's flying over yeah. it. They, they flap sometimes, and they, they relax out. and they glide and sometimes.
0: Yeah. Like the eagles of the butterfly world, basically.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We saw two butterflies this season that in all of our 30 years we had never seen before. 30 years. that they were here on the butterfly list, they were in the park. But we had not seen them. But we yeah. saw two of those. Yeah. Two of them. Mm-hmm.
1: Two different species that we've never seen in 31 and
2: we've years. We've been looking. We've been We're looking.
1: looking. I mean, we look under every little bush.
2: <laughs>
0: and just, yeah. just,
1: we know where to look. It's tenacity. Other people, yeah, just tenacity. That's a nice word. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's true. I think that's the best way to describe something like this. Do you guys have any advice for amateur butterfly enthusiasts? Like if I wanted to go out and start looking for butterflies, how do well, I start?
2: There, In most um, areas of North America here, there's a butterfly club that might be in existence in your local community.
1: It's nice to have an evening session and have the local people and kids all the way up to Granddad mm-hmm. <laughs> sitting around and saying, hey... Let's talk about butterflies.
2: Right now that's a little difficult because you're not supposed to have groups Pirates of 15 yeah. or more <laughs> in a lot of areas. So. But, you know, if this was normal times, you certainly should be able to connect uh, actually with people and people who are interested in mm-hmm. the same thing you're interested in. And of course you can search the web for information. There's nothing you know, better than associating with people who are doing it and finding out what their techniques are and logging what you see, writing down everything you observe is very important. What's the weather like that day? What was the air temperature that day? Mm-hmm. Where were you? Uh, and listing the species you saw, and maybe tallying how many of that species you saw are all very good things to develop. And I always have your field guide with you. you know.
0: What field guide do you recommend?
2: Uh, it's a book by Kaufman. This is just a moment, please. But... Yeah. Great book. It's our little Bible. It may be
0: difficult to find in print. Butterflies of North America Kaufman Focus Guides. The best guides for getting started. Mm -hmm. Dear Mardell, you'll love your new book. (laughs) Who wrote that for you?
1: (laughs) Richard. I did.
0: (laughs) For the listeners, who obviously can't see what the book looks like, you've got uh, hand-drawn images of butterflies on the right page, and then a map that gives you kind of like a colored in idea of where these butterflies can be found, Um, a description, a description of what season that they can be found in, and a description of the spot that you can find them at, and their name, of course.
2: And it is organized by families of butterflies, so it has a scientific orientation. Hesperia skippers. And it has little marks that help you identify what they call field guides so that you can, If if it has those marks. Identification
1: marks on most all butterflies. They really need that. We used to use that a lot. We still do. But they'll show a little point and they'll say, hey, this butterfly has a certain kind of a mark.
0: Well, thank you for letting me Hold your sure. Bible, I appreciate it.
2: <laughs> sure, now those angle wings we were talking about that we didn't see, they try to overwinter. And we've been talking about the monarch that migrates, but there is definitely, uh, in that family, there's a, a unique one called the mourning cloak, and it's mourning as in grieving, not morning time. And its strategy is to survive a winter before it mates as an adult the only one that does that as a strategy. And it also lives ten months, eight to ten months.
1: Yeah, What a butterfly. i got to show it to you. And when
2: it comes out, um, it'll uh, appear in the very early spring, even before some of the snow has melted, and it'll be all tattered and sort of not so good looking. That's when it mates.
1: Big butterfly. Mm -hmm. Beautiful butterfly. Unique butterfly. Oh, that's a beautiful butterfly. Right on top. Yeah.
0: Black butterfly with um, yellow outer edges Mm -hmm. and blue... And
1: purple dots.
0: Oh, purple dots.
1: Mm -hmm. Purple-blue.
2: Purple-blue dots dots. among...
1: We have seen the tattered one this year. We have not seen a brand new one.
2: Well, I think we... Did we see a brand new one the other day? Maybe one. No, we we, never did. No, we haven't seen... If we see a brand new one, that means it's going to be fall pretty soon. Yeah. Because they come out as an adult in the fall... While other butterflies are all dying, right. that one has just hatched. Coming out, and it yeah. finds a place to hibernate, yeah. and it does go through hibernation. Mm.
1: Full, full hibernation at twenty-five, thirty degrees below zero.
2: Where does it hibernate? Well, underneath the eaves of cabins and in wood piles, things like that.
1: You Our can take planet. it, and you can drop it on this table, this hard surface, or a hard wood. Clonk! Just like a BB, it's Mm. frozen solid.
0: Frozen solid.
1: And its cells are not disturbed. Ours would break. Our cell jacket would rupture. We, you know, because of the change of
2: temperature. Because we have so much liquid inside, you know, it's gonna.
1: Yeah. But not that butterfly. Yeah. Yeah. It it makes a story real neat, you know, you tell yourself, wow, someday we may be going out in space. Well, this is a far-fetched thing because we'll do it probably in a different way. Mm -hmm. But you could, you know. Uh, Nitrogen, liquid nitrogen. I mean, 250 degrees (laughs) below zero. Well, these guys can handle that kind of thing. And a freeze for blood. That's what I like to say. Yeah, Big time. Big time. (laughs)
0: No. Wow, you guys. Well, thank you so much. This was, this was a very, very interesting interview. I hope that we covered everything that you guys wanted to say.
2: I think so. I think so. Just about. Just about?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just about.
2: You know, it's all about discovery. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in nature, the best thing to do is to go out and look and see. Many people go out in nature, but they don't see because they don't properly observe. So hone your observation skills. Record what you see, and try to see more, and then research what you've seen and other resources, you know, so that you learn how to identify them, etc. Yeah. And you're going to make all kinds of discoveries that you never expected to make. And boom, one day, there it is. That one species you knew it was supposed to be there, and you'd never seen it, and all of a sudden, you know you've seen it.
1: Okay. Story after story. So we've just given you some surface
0: information. Surface information? <laughs> <laughs>